Summer drinking season is long, which is why non-alcoholic beer is a great addition to your cooler. But what makes you reach for one NA beer over another? Is it great flavor, variety of styles? Maybe you just like a cool can. Well, no matter what you're looking for in a great non-alcoholic beer, the answer is always athletic. Great flavor, it's athletic. Award-winning styles, it's athletic. Huge variety, guess what? It's athletic. From IPAs, extra dark, sours, hazies, and more, to summertime favorites like light brews and goldens, it's the number one NA beer brand in the U.S. It's athletic. Ask for it. Fit for all times. Enjoy them anytime, anywhere. Think about it. You're hanging out at the beach. Maybe you're going to a music festival, ball game, camping, late night, early morning. Wherever the summer takes you, the best part is zero hangover the next day. This summer, ask for the only non-alcoholic beer you need to know. Athletic. Head to askforathletic.com to find it near you and use the code TA2024 to get 15% off your first online order. That's code TA2024 at checkout for 15% off your first order. Near beer. Exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company. Fit for all times. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! Gee! He's round the goalkeeper! He's done it! Absolutely incredible! He launched himself six feet into the crowd and Kung Fu kicked a supporter who was without a shadow of a doubt giving him lip. Are PhDs the unfinished business of education? Stress testing the knows the club coefficient model, the threshold for a club going down with a whimper, back post, far post, near post, but what about front post? An exhaustive list of football's promised lands. Why Arsenal versus Brighton was the Premier League's day out derby and whether Michael Elise's latest assist was the epitome of a ping. Brought to your ears by The Athletic, this is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 258 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry, an adjudication panelling with me today. First of all, Charlie Eccleshare, how's it going? Very well, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Alongside you, David Walker, how are things? Yeah, very good, you? Yeah, lovely stuff. Charlie, something to raise, I hear. Yeah, well, this came from Eli Cronenberg in last week's Listener, MHD, and it was one of his irritations. It's been living rent-free in my head ever since. It really resonated. This sort of, there being a goal difference reason so that we can't actually say something is, is over. Yeah. So, so, you know, we talked about that. And, and firstly, like the day after I had to write something in which I did almost have to use those words, all but secure mm. which already i died a little bit inside but i noticed there is a world and it's not that likely which we are going to have the mother 
of all one of these type of situations. If Arsenal draw with Nottingham Forest next week, they will be three points behind Manchester City with a goal difference difference of 20, with Manchester City still having three games to play themselves. But there being a world in which if City lost all three and Arsenal won their last game and there was that swing... Arsenal could still win the league. So if they were to draw, we wouldn't be able to say City are champions. We'd have to say City are all but... And I think, can we just make a campaign? If Arsenal draw on Saturday, can the world just say City are champions? It's not going to... It would honestly be the... You know when people say, strange things have happened in football? No, nothing strange would happen than a 20-goal swing, City losing their last three games and Arsenal winning theirs and there being that swing. It would so be what's the what's the least ludicrous set of results that would need to happen goal difference-wise? So for that... So, yeah, so for let's, that, let's give Arsenal a 6-0 win then. Okay, so they would say they beat Wolves 6-0 in yeah. the last day. Doable. Doable. City would have to lose basically on average 5 0 at home to Chelsea. <laughs> Imagine if it happened twice. <laughs> Whoa, what's going on here? They have yeah. lost 5 0. One more 5 0 and uh and that's it. It would be it would be a genuine like what's going on here yeah. sort of situation, wouldn't it? Like it would be there would need to be an inquiry. Suspicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would mm. have to be presumably the three biggest defeats. When Edison turns around and punts one into his own net from a goal kick. (laughs) (laughs) So look, just let City have it on Saturday if they draw. We don't need to wait. Great. Look forward to it. Um, Still some twists and turns left then in that case. You want the uh, trophy to be be handed to them then, do you? Ribbons on, get it there. Yeah. Yeah. I think even though they're not... Yeah, before the game. Do it before the game. Because before the City play on Sunday. Because even if... It's because there's just not going to be that collapse. Let them enjoy it. Let them have a bit more to enjoy it. Guardiola wouldn't be up for that at all. Oh, no, we're, this this isn't this isn't over yet. This is no, not over yet. He would resist all of that. Right, time for the adjudication panel. Right, let's kick off with this message from Will Gain. Charlie says, "Just heard in the pub before Palace, mate. Your left foot was looking wandy. Oh, I don't Ooh. like it. I don't like <laughs> it at all." <laughs> one day, mate. Much. Yeah, that that that's a uh, that's a. But you know, fair play. If people want to be uh, creative in that way, I think good luck to them. Could be it could be used as an alternative on uh, Worldy. Oh, he scored a real one day there. Scored a one day. Yeah, I, I associate ones more with creation mm. than finishing. Yeah, Don't yeah. Ever assess this? Yeah, it's more kind of magicking up something out of nowhere. But could be a goal scoring thing anyway. Um. Next up, Dan Rubin writes in Dave, said, um, I sent my dad a video of the chief rabbi singing a prayer, to which he replied, still got it. One, <laughs> can someone singing still have it? And two, surely that phrase is only allowed for people who are retired rather than someone at the peak of their religious powers. Can't quibble with uh, point two there, can we? I don't think they need to be retired. No, I think I think it's because I think it's it is very specifically related to the act of singing, right? So to, for point one, can someone singing still have it? Yes, that like, it's one of the most, it's one of the foremost examples that, where you'd use it. See, okay. an aging person singing, mm. you know, if it, if you Elton John, Elton John at the Vic, yeah, you know, still got it. He can still belt it out. Yeah, you know, has Paul McCartney still got it? Uh, not sure. But he's a bit older, to be fair. Yeah, fine. I don't know how old the chief rabbi is, or you know, how long into his career are we in the autumn of his career? Who knows? But I, um, but I don't think as what well, like I, th- I know what you mean, Adam. Often it will be used like with a manager kicking the ball back onto the pitch, being like, Ancelotti still got it or whoever. But I think it can also be when they are still playing. Okay, because uh, it, that's more they, rolling back the years for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but but like 
if so, I can imagine like Busquets, he's come to the end of his Barcelona career. He might, they'll, I can imagine there being a clip of him doing a drag back and losing mm. a player. I mean, like still got it, Sergio or something. Yeah. He's not yet yeah. gone. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, really enjoyed this one. This came from listener Sam. He says, uh, had an interview for a PhD position last Wednesday and the phrase, I feel like I have unfinished business in education was uttered by myself without thinking. I may have got the position, <laughs> but I'm not having that from myself. <laughs> That's I mean, amazing. Well, maybe kind of PhDs are the ultimate <laughs> unfinished business in education. I mean, you just want to keep going. You can't let it go. You can't, mm. You're missing the day-to-day buzz of learning. Uh, Charlie, I like it. I like this a yeah, lot. The funny thing with that is that a lot of PhDs are unfinished. Mm. So the, the ultimate of that would be going back to uh, finish off a, a PhD that you were partway through. Cooler to, cooler to leave a PhD unfinished, if anything, Dave. Maybe that's what swung the interview. Yeah. They thought, oh, he's hungry. He's got unfinished mm. business. He's got a point to prove. Yeah. <laughs> Still wants it. Good. I love the idea of this person in the interview, this occurring to this person in a big slightly put off his stride thinking, oh, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a slightly odd thing to say, but I think I think for the purposes of an interview where you're trying to show willing and, mm. and endeavour and, and uh, yeah. your ambition, then I, I guess it kind of works. But yeah, I'm glad he had a second thought about it. Steve Morrison writes in next day, he says... Um, after Dave talking about how he will look out for 1860 Munich's results, having been there on a stag do, what contexts, reasons or situations are there for keeping an eye out for other teams beyond your own? I, I guess Dave sort of managing a team on Football Manager might give you that level of affinity. Yeah, I think that is a, that is definitely one possible option, just randomly choosing a team and then, because you get to know the, if, you, if you're particularly into it, mm. you get to know the players and... He you knows know, you the might, club. You might buy a shirt. Some people would buy a shirt, perhaps. Yeah. No, I think about it. I mean, I mean, I, I, get, I know it. Realise, Charlie, it's an artificial thing playing a team or football manager. But as you say, I mean, as you as you sort of flippantly put it, you do know the club. I mean, mm. if anything, that's quite a wholesome reason to start following a team properly. Is that yeah. you've got you've given yourself a running start? I think it's quite good. I actually quite like it. Yeah, that is a good. one. I'm trying to think if I ever had that. I probably did for for a brief period that you'd manage a lower league team, and you, you'd just be curious to know as well if you'd done a better job than what they were doing in reality. Mm. I think other reasons, like if you had a family member who you went to visit, say, and maybe you went to a game with them, or they had posters up of the team they supported, and you're like, oh yeah, no, I'm, I I can see why. Yeah, you'd be interested Dave, in you could Dave, you could go to a game once, mm. ran, you know, maybe with a mate or something. And that's it. Once you've been to a, once you've been to a team's game once, I think that's enough to maybe start keeping an eye out for their results. And you know, similar to me being on a stag do, but you could be on a holiday. Yeah, holiday's not a big one. You know, it's similar. Or, you know, this is sort of branching out. But if you if you went to say America or I don't know, even South, maybe sort of Mexico or somewhere or Japan, you know, you saw another sport, baseball, NFL. Like yeah. you end you end up at a game. You think, mm. oh, I'll, I'll follow them or whatever. Yeah, this I is think, good. Yeah, I think a, another football one though could be um, a city you went to university in. Mm, like yeah. that. Went to a few few games. I went. I went to Nottingham, uh, Nottingham Trent University, and we went to a few Forest games. I used to give students really cheap tickets, so I sort of do kind of have a little bit of love so you for got Forest. Brainwashed. It's more like you got brainwashed, isn't it? Sort of <laughs> sucked in by the commercial machine rather yeah. than anything. Not really your own will. There. Beyond all this, though, Dave, um, how did 1860 Munich get on at the weekend? That's a great <laughs> question. I think it was their last game, though. I think I went to the last game of the season. So. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. You, you, you were checking transfer news. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Refreshing your phone. Uh, a 2-2 draw away at Essen 
I can tell you. Um, right. It, was the, it must have been their last home game then, <laughs> I saw. I mean, it, that is another funny... Just keep an eye out for their home results, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just really fascinated with their home form. It is a funny thing, though, how... I remember going to watch Cambridge United at the Abbey, where my oh, Down the were. Abbey, was it? Down, down the Abbey. And they were doing really well at the time, and they won the game 1-0. I think to go, it was Max Rushton, I'm sure we'll remember. It was would have been October 96, and they they were going for promotion. And I did follow their results briefly, but then they absolutely tailed off, had a horrific rest of the season. And so I kind of thought, oh, let's just leave it leave it as it was. It was a beautiful holiday romance. Fair enough. Um, that was the traditional low-key preamble to a, a cliché's perennial. It's time for For My Sins Corner. Uh, this came from St. Raymond and many, many others. This was from ITV's The Chase the other day. Two heavyweights in this discipline. All you need to do, guys, is... Utter the phrase, for my sins, when you think it will be said from this example of popular culture. I've not won for a long time, I don't think. I could really do with it. I can, I can confirm this. Right, we're up and running. And next to face the chaser, it's Lindsay. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you. Uh, from uh, Nottingley. Yes, indeed, yeah. Where's that? <laughs> Middle of nowhere, really. Isn't it? It's about 20 minutes from Leeds. OK, all right. And what are you doing in Nottingley? So I work from home, but I'm a programme lead for a sports education charity. Right. Um, and I get to work with predominantly girls aged 14 to 16. Right. Trying to get them active in sport. Okay, good. Were you sporty yourself at any point? Yes, I've always okay. been involved in sport. So I played football when I was younger for Doncaster Bells. Right. Um, I travel all over the world watching the Lionesses. I absolutely love following the England women team. Right. Um, so that's really my passion and it also then leads into travelling. Yeah, of course. Okay. What do you do to relax? How do you switch off though? What do you sort of do, you know? To... Well, I've got a dog for my sins. Oh, I'll tell you. A dog! A dog! It was all but one <laughs> for Dave Walker. <laughs> to the lakes or, uh, or whatever. Okay. A dog. Oh dear! Also, oh dear. no gap. She just went oh. straight into that. Charlie bottled it. The, the route was clear for Dave Walker, and he just poised. couldn't convert. Dog for my sins. There were so many good red herrings in there. Not only her job, then the football team, then spare time. It it's was one of the there. strongest ones I've seen. One that of the strongest really, ones we've had for a long like time. That was like they knew, and it was just dangling there. Tremendous. There were so many points after I'd gone, I thought, oh, that'll be it. Bradley Walsh is like Paxman and Frost rolled him together <laughs> in one in terms of eliciting a For My Sins. So good, but too good for us, it would seem. Right, great stuff. Next up, Callum writes in, Charlie. says, I had experience at the barbers recently that you might enjoy. I've been going to the same barber for a few years. We're quite friendly. And uh, while chatting, he told me that I was in his Premier League of customers. I chuckled at that prospect of him ranking his customers in such a way. And I jokingly asked if I was in his relegation zone or chasing Europe, not really expecting an answer. To my surprise, he gave it a moment's thought and responded, you're my Aston Villa. I asked what he meant and he didn't offer any further explanation and the conversation (laughs) drifted on. I'm not really sure what to make of his clearly considered and thought out answer. Should I be offended to be a middling side chasing Europe? Happy to be a team experiencing strong form with an exciting future? He could have easily said I was in Manchester City for an easy win and been done with it, but he gave a serious response. Does this imply I could make his Champions League and play against the customers of other barbers next season? At a loss. Any thoughts appreciated? What a very precise answer, Charlie. Yeah, I'm really impressed with clearly the amount of thought the hairdresser's given it. I guess as well with Villa, it's how much of a kind of micro or macro 
mm. I position would, you take on this. I would suggest he's not going kind of recent form here. I don't think he's suggesting this customer's on the up. On the up, yeah. <laughs> I exactly. think he's, he's... Ever since you had that hair transplant, you just... <laughs> a real joy to... The Cut new the hair. hair bounce. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think he's using Villa as a proxy for, for mid-table yeah. here, surely. It must be. You, yeah, you would think so. In which case... Otherwise, you'd would... have to explain it, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't he explain it? Why didn't he explain it? <laughs> what are you doing? I'll, I'll leave you to work it out. Yeah, oh, in which dear. case, that's pretty steady. You know, you're not going to be one of my favourite customers, but you don't give me any issues and, you know, the sort of... The relegation's not a thing anymore, really, for them, is it? You don't think of them. So, you know, you're here, you'll be in the Premier League for a while, but I, I don't put you in that elite bracket. I mean, strange conversation to have with your barber, Dave, puts him in all sorts of awkward positions. But do you think the criteria here are the quality of the chat in the chair or is it the quality of the hair? You know, how easy the hair is to work with? You've got good it, hair, tell me. It could all be a combination. Mm. All, all things rolled into one, yeah. Tipping. You, you would, I, I would mm. think that quality. Well, it depends on whether the barber's chatty or not. If he likes a chat and this mm. guy's not giving him much, <laughs> the hair, so your hair. There's nothing you can do about the hair. Your hair is your hair. <laughs> Transplants yes. notwithstanding, That's... but the chat you can improve upon, and that can be rated more qualitatively, I suppose. But there might be some people. As, you're right. It's, it's, of course, it's not anyone's fault. But there might be some hair that. Barbers do just find a bit of a pain to do. Yeah, sort of and yeah, it, wavy, w- curly hair that doesn't really do anything. Yeah, or just, yeah, or that sort of stands on end. With the best one in the world, like they might, their conversation might be quite good, but the hair drags them down to a kind of middling level. Fair enough. The whole um, package, it must be. Yeah, I don't think we're any closer to the truth here, Callum. But um, take what you get. As far as I'm concerned, maybe it was um, a reference. You know, Villa are bringing a new hot director of football. Maybe it was that micro, and it was saying mm. like, "I really think you've brought some new." levels to your game over the last year or so and I'm rewarding you with Villa I'd take Everton or Leicester these days personally I'd snap <laughs> your hand off right this is great this is great listener Andrew Howeely on the back of uh, Robbie Keane being appointed to Sam Allardyce's lead staff on the basis of knowing the club has um he's come up with a knows the club coefficient a formula for us to test to measure how much an individual knows a certain club the formula is thus Total years at club divided by the age that they first joined the club in the first place, plus the years since they were last at the club. Let's put it into practice to exemplify this. Um, Frank Lampard, when he was drafted in as caretaker, Charlie, that gives him a coefficient, a knowing the club coefficient of 0.73, a 73% knowing the clubness. It probably sounds about right because there's mm. an element of West Ham to him as much as he's. Mm gradually sort of disowned it over yeah. the years. He's still very West Ham family and all that sort of stuff. So I said 73% is probably about right. Yeah, that seems... I'm curious to get like a a comparison with someone who doesn't particularly know the club. In fact, I, I should I should point out, Dave, that Lampard's actually since... Because he's now at the club again, the formula has dictated that he's now up to 80%. <laughs> so he actually knows the club more since yeah. he came back as a caretaker. Makes sense. Warts and all as far as Chelsea are concerned. What you're all desperate to know is what Robbie Keane's Leeds knows mm. the club coefficient is. Well, on the basis that he only spent two years there and has, hadn't been back for 21 years, his coefficient is 0.04. <laughs> How, I mean, he must know a lot of clubs, re, not that well, given yeah. how his career played out. Spread himself too thinly. Yeah, and you can't know your country, so Republic of Ireland doesn't count. At the other end of this scale, just to really sort of stress test this, Dave, Ryan Giggs, uh, 29 years at Manchester United, 
first joined at 14 and hasn't been there for seven, but his coefficient remains 1.38. Right. 138% knows the club, um, which is huge. Um, a little mischievous one here, though, Charlie. Knows it too well, if anything. Yeah. More, on the more mischievous side, Charlie, Mark Robbins, Richard Keyes' oh, yeah. tip yeah. for Manchester United's future, uh, a mere 17%, 0.17 on his coefficient. <laughs> um, further to this, Andrew Harili has given me the keys to the spreadsheet. So all you need to do... <laughs> Just give me a name and we'll work it out. Give me a name of someone you think might know a club well or not very well and we'll work it out for them. Can we do Reedy? Reedy for Everton. Right. So Reedy was at the club for seven years, joined the club at the age of 26 and hasn't been back either as a manager, coach or player, it would seem, for 34 years. Are we not counting him popping along just to show his face? <laughs> yeah. Just for vibes. You can't factor that in. I mean, I mean, spiritually you can, but I mean, yeah. who's tracking this stuff? Yeah, yeah. It has to be employed. It has yeah. to be on the payroll. Yeah, exactly. So that gives him a, a mere 0.12 knowing the club coefficient for Everton. That has blown the model apart as far as I'm concerned. Keezy's going to be fuming. I that support. I was saying that at the time when Keezy was was sort of trumpeting his knows the club credentials. That was the point I was making. It's, bit, it's a long time, and I mean, yes, obviously there have been probably informal dalliances, but I I think that's that shows something. Is there an element missing from the equation? Could you? I don't know how you'd put it in there, but what about like being? from the area like a boyhood miles, fan miles or, from the yeah. stadium <laughs> miles born from the stadium yeah andrew howie go back into your spreadsheet <laughs> and update it because i think this is a very solid way of doing it yeah being from the area and knowing the club in that because you know the supporters then in a sense yeah knowing the fan you know the mindset yeah yeah exactly i'd love to know how that affects things get on it andrew howie otherwise great work nonetheless looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. J.S. Livesley writes in Charlie and says, Which stadium is the most playoff semi-final? I have one in my mind. I really hope you said the same one. I mean, it's hard to sort of fight against recency bias here, but I do, I don't know. Well, I, I'm thinking Stadium of Light, but I think that's probably just because I saw them because they played there. <laughs> I literally the had the same thought. <laughs> <laughs> Our brains have been shredded to that extent. Like, just Stadium of Light, probably. The most my instinct one. says Hillsborough. Really? Hillsborough? Yeah. 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 I mean, Sheffield Wednesday yeah. playing out a tense first leg of a, of a semi-final playoff on some random midweek night and you you tune in thinking well I mean it's, it's bound to have some drama then you think oh, I can't be asked it's first leg I'm not going to bother and and that's what it is another one that came to mind was John Smith Stadium but there have been quite a few Huddersfield have been knocking around in playoffs quite a lot and again yeah, I like it. N- and it wouldn't be a brilliant game necessarily probably a draw the first leg but there's enough to leave there intrigue for the second I didn't really want to take too an empirical approach to this David I didn't actually want to look up who's mm. been in the playoff semi-finals the most because that would ruin it. it would ruin the vibe of this but um, I think we're close I think we're close a sort of blue and white striped team <laughs> playing in the semi-finals of the playoffs in some division rather in the north in the north-ish yeah take that okay great <laughs> I can't believe this happened in La Liga referee Antonio Mateo Lajos officiated in his last ever game, Charlie. And as he walked off, he handed his cards to a young Osasuna fan. <laughs> there was no, there's no suggestion that the fan was holding up a sign saying, Antonio Mateo Lajos, please can I have your cards? Uh, well, they're, so knowl- they're so knowledgeable, those Osasuna fans. It really wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> he didn't book the fan, did he? No. He didn't do like a performative booking. One last flourish. Well, I mean, he had to, um, the fan was sort of sitting on the bit that ov- overhangs the tunnel. So he had to sort of reach up and give him the the card. So it was, there was an element of brandishing going on, but certainly no semi-ironic brandishing you, going on. If you look at the pictures, actually, he's, it's, the cards are pointing downwards from his hand and not yeah. up, which is, the, that's crucial. Didn't want it, to be that, seen to be yeah, booking yeah, a child. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, smile on nice. his face, Charlie. Exactly the same sort of smile as if a player had given him a shirt. So delighted Lovely. with his haul. What's he going to do with them? What would you do with them? I eBay. I don't know. Or would you keep them just as a bit of fun on a night out or something? You know, <laughs> book your mates, that sort of thing. Oh God. I mean, I presume it's not even signed, Dave. I don't know. 
can they write? Do they write on cards, referees, or do they write in a? Yeah, they, in a these book? days there there isn't a notebook. They actually write the name straight right on onto the, cards. the cards. Yeah, so maybe yeah. he's got that one for classic football cards. uk. That's gonna be worth a bomb in a few years, isn't it? Match worn, match brandished. <laughs> Mad scenes, honestly. Didn't even. I mean, you take your shirt off as a referee. You could do that, or is that too much? Is that too's too much? Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You got to stay. What about you the whistle? Stay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You don't want the whistle, though, do you? It's been in his mouth. <laughs> yeah, true. Okay. Next up, former Clichés guest Robin Cowan and presumably enduring Clichés listener Robin Cowan commentating on Sam Kerr's 68th minute winner for Chelsea in the Women's FA Cup final on Sunday. Here's Harder and Kerr! You know, Charlie, part of me hates to exhume this debate every three weeks or so, but if we were to roll back the years to the original debate, this would have been a great case study to use because 68th minute suggests that it's in the realms of being in the thinking. There's <laughs> nothing I mean? up that old grave. <laughs> On the <laughs> other hand, it is essentially a decisive goal in a cup final, which might override it. <laughs> I mean, I was curious there because I wasn't. Is it going to be a comfy outcome for the woman? I thought when you led into it, saying clearly, uh, you know, that Robin's clearly still listening. I thought she was going to somehow sort of start to say it and then pull uh, back from it. <laughs> say on I it. Know. I don't. I don't want to open up this can of worms again. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with something else. No, we're not. Some would the say, "Come of the hour." <laughs> Debating whether eight minutes is too long uh, yeah. whilst fans um, celebrate behind it. Yeah, no, kept it professional and uh, that's what I like to see. This is good. This came from Ross FJ. Dave said the BBC said Southampton went down with a whimper. What's the threshold in terms of time left in the league to have this label? Is it just about time though, Dave? I think it's about um, a manner of going down yeah, as well. I think so. Can you How? go down with a whimper on the final day? Maybe. Good. Because cause what, what what about when, um, uh, you know, the Great Escape Day, when West Brom stayed up? Yeah. Norwich lost 6-0? Yeah. That's exactly what I was just looking up. That's exactly yeah. what I was looking up. That is going down with a whimper on the final day, isn't it, Charlie? So it can happen. Yeah, and even Southampton, they went down with a bit of a whimper that day. They lost at home to United, I seem to remember. And I think they've been ahead and then just sort of folded. So... Oh, can you go out? Can you go down with a whimper on the final day if you were leading at some point? Well, maybe and, not. And you'd lose but, to United as well. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's a bit harsh. Come on, mate. That, that is... Is harsh. Yeah, that is harsh. But, but I think no, I think a whimper can be all sorts of different things because you can you can go down with like a game left, but you've just been on like this weirdly passive run of defeats or something. I don't think it has to necessarily be that there was lots of time left or you got a low, a really low points total. Yeah, because like Derby's record low points total, like a whimper doesn't yes. even do it justice. No, it, exactly, really. that wasn't a whimper. Yeah, that's actively bad. I think that, I think <laughs> going down with a whimper means that at no stage. I mean. Mathematics aside, Charlie, I think at no stage did you have a kind of statement win that made it look like you might be turning it around. You know, a yeah. rabble-rousing Everton versus Crystal Palace kind of situation. I think you need to have a, a win that gives the fans hope. And if you don't provide that, even if you sort of gently slide, sleepwalk into relegation, yeah. that's going down with a whimper. 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of like the most wimp. You know, like when Blackburn went down in '99 and they drew nil nil with Manchester United and that relegated them. And Fergie didn't even know that they'd been relegated by that result. Right. That was the extent. It was a. It was just kind of like oh, didn't go down loudly enough. Yeah, it was, li- it was just. <laughs> There was no noise because he didn't even um, console whoever it was who'd been his assistant. It was, oh, I see. Uh, and it was then Brian asked, like, oh, Brian it was Brian Kidd. Kidd. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was wow. like, oh, did you not? It seemed really cold. And I think after his eyes, I was like, oh, what? They've been relegated out there. <laughs> so, they won the league four years earlier. Like, talk about a whimper. That is good. That is good whimpering. Yeah, OK, I'll take that. Right. Now, next one. I'm not sure about this one at all, Dave. Ben Coleman writes in and says, when should front post be used over near post and vice versa? Um, I'd say near post is the dominant form, clearly. But I would say maybe one scenario where you would say front post is when you're deploying someone defensively at a corner, maybe? You take front post. I take back post. Back post, far Mm. post. So maybe the template here, Dave, is that when you're talking specifically about the post itself, it's front post. But when you're talking about an area, Mm. a a place to be, to capitalise in either sense, it's near post or a near post cross. I don't think you'd ever hear someone say a goalkeeper shouldn't be beaten at his front post. They say near post, don't they? I think for that example, for that in that example. That yes, agreed. So Charlie, that's interesting. That that narrows it down a bit because when you're talking about any sort of form of angle, then it's clearly always going to be near post. If you're talking literally dead on from a corner, that's when front post comes into the equation, right? When it's mm. when it's zero degrees, there's yeah. nothing to quibble with. Yeah, I think that is that is about the only time you'd hear it. Near post is definitely the default for most things. I would say that's far it's far more commonly used near post than front post. Yeah, yeah. What about he just makes that near post run? He makes that front post run. No, it sounds weird, doesn't it? I don't think they're interchangeable, and and one just happens to dominate over the other. I'm sure there's specific reasoning. Is it the front. same for for back and far? Back and I'd say it's fifty fifty for back and far. Far post. That's just a brilliant back post header. Yeah, I think back post... This is interesting. Back post is way more dominant than front post is over its traditional bedfellow. Why mm. would that be? <laughs> just makes a run round the back post. What's wrong with front post? And that's where he's so dangerous at the back post. Maybe near post just, ro- just rolls off the tongue so well and front post just doesn't. Yeah. What's wrong with front post? Well... An unexpected can of worms up in there. Thanks, Ben Coleman. I heard this next one at the time, Charlie, and I was umming and ahhing about whether to include it on today's episode. Nicholas Sackey has tipped it over the edge. He says, the interviewer in the Notts County Chesterfield game called the EFL the promised land when interviewing a Notts County player after the game. How many promised lands can there be in one football pyramid? I think it has to be relative, right? So... Yeah. But how many promised lands can there be? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, certainly the EFL, if, if we're accepting that. I think, And I think that's fair enough. Yeah, going from non-league to league is clearly... Yeah, you're crossing a Rubicon, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. that's hugely significant. The Premier League, undoubtedly, yeah. is a promise. It's a promise for a lot of teams. I think the Champions League, I know that's not in the same pyramid, but for a lot of teams who were trying to get there for years, when Spurs in 2010 got there, I'm sure it would have been said... They've reached the promised land. Oh, getting into the competition is the promised land. Oh, is it? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the same. It's the same as getting in. We're still get, we're all, they're all getting into competitions, yeah. aren't they? You're getting into the EFL, getting into the Premier League. Uh, I know what you mean, Charlie. It's probably less frequently used, but it, it could, because it's rarer, because most of the clubs these days are used to being in it. Even after yeah. getting back into it is not the same. But Spurs getting in for the first time was a big deal. So you can only use it for the first time. You wouldn't, you wouldn't use it if a club had been away for 20 years. Are you, can you get back to the promised land? Can you come out of the promised land and be back yeah, again? I think well, you can. Well, Notts County have been in Anchester, too. 
have been in the Football League plenty also of times. Also true. Are, yeah. are there any promised lands though within it? I mean, is the Championship or League One? No. 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 That's... no. no way. The promised land of the Championship. So the league itself, Premier League, getting into the Champions League and then presumably winning the Champions League, as Clive Tilty most famously said. Yeah. They're the four promised lands of football. There can't be any others in, East, in an English football sense. Right. So you think what? So win. So winning, actually winning the com- the competition is the promised land. Well, was he talking about the treble? Oh God, we're doing this again, aren't we? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> was he talking so about Bayern or United? There, <laughs> whose name is on the trophy? Is it what the promised tre- land? It was the treble, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, rather than simply the European Cup. Yeah, because they'd won the because they'd won the European Cup before. Yeah. So I think it was more about the uniqueness. Yeah, it has to be. It overrode it. Yeah, fine. Okay. Um, okay, interesting. Fine. Next up, this is from uh, the Higgsmeister, who's watching the match of the two highlights of Brighton's win over Arsenal, and uh, he heard this quick-fire double. We played uh, with uh, Corners uh, to to win the game, not to to be uh, to spend one day in London. You know, to go to the Emirates today, to go to London wasn't for a day out. These guys are full of courage, full of <laughs> full of um, energy. And- um, the Higgsmeister asks Charlie, is this a new cliche we're seeing burst? Is it an exclusively London phenomenon? Does it have its origins in the chant, you've had your day out, now fuck off home? I would go further than this, Charlie. I would say Arsenal versus Brighton is essentially the day out derby hmm. because Arsenal are a good example of a day out in London club to visit because they've got a big gleaming stadium. It's mm. it's in near Reasonably to a relatively central. trendy part of town, that sort of thing. Uh, and then Brighton, of course, are a day out on the South Coast yeah. kind of club. So Yeah, and a good day out, better than better than Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah. More to do in Brighton than Bournemouth. That's true. Um, or Boscombe is where they're actually uh, based. Yeah, I was, that's what I was going to say. I thought, if anything, yeah, you'd have a better day out in Brighton, I think, than... Um, than the Holloway Road. Mm. There's different connotations to the two, Charlie. A, a day out in London for some fans is, is quite condescending, isn't it? It's, it's essentially yeah. your cup final. That's that kind of vibe, isn't it? Nice trip to the capital. <laughs> yeah, unless you're talking about the day. Yeah, there, there are those two. Really. There's the day out on the seaside because that, that's that's why you're talking about a day out in Brighton. Mm-hmm. It's the sort of the idea you're on the south coast and there's that day out. Or yes, there's the day out because you wouldn't you wouldn't talk even though you know obviously if you're going up to Newcastle, great city. But I don't think you'd be saying like these fans, they're not just here for a day out. There's no other days. There are no other days out, are there, Dave? Yeah, I think there are because I think you could have a day out if you're a small team in the FA yeah. Cup and you've gone to, I mean, any Premier League ground, really, but like especially a big one. If, you, if you're if you a small team and you get drawn yeah. at Old Trafford, Anfield, okay. St. James's. Or if you're a newly promoted club, like that's where it might be more relevant. And that's mm. where you could, if this was Brighton six years ago, First season yeah. in the Premier League, you might be saying enjoy the day out, and I think <laughs> you could lower that threshold if it was a new club and they would they were playing United. It was like their first away game in the, in the top yeah. flight for twenty thirty That's years. That's crucial. Yeah, you know yeah. we're not here. We're not just here for a day out. Yeah, I think I think you might hear it in that context too. Does the fact that it was a lovely sunny day yesterday make it more likely that this gets said? If it was pissing down yesterday, I don't know. If, I agree. With they have said that almost yeah. certainly. It's towards the end of the season as well. Yeah, I think that's all factored in. What further complicates this, Charlie? What if it had been the final day of the season and they'd, they'd come sort of dressed in their sort of fancy dress and they bought sort of inflatable bananas and things? That's a day out. <laughs> Doesn't matter what happens on the pitch then. That is literally the day out overrides the footballing spectacles. That is literally a day out. Stoke fans had a beach ball uh, at Vicarage Road last Monday on a bank holiday, Ooh, last game of the season. That's a day out. 
that's mm. a day out. It was that's overcast. Pure though, day so. out. And it's right on the edge of the tube map, but it is a day out. Mm. Yeah, it's fine. Good. Excellent stuff. Really enjoyed that. Now, the next one came in an email from John Hare. He says he was reading the programme notes of Roy Hodgson at the weekend, and Hodgson was talking about the Tottenham result the week before, where Palace lost 1-0. And he felt that despite this, the boys had acquitted themselves well. The question, though, is this. Can you ever acquit yourself well and win? Our answer mm. amongst our friends was unanimously <laughs> no. But here was the controversial point. Can you acquit yourself well and draw? We were split on this. Further context was introduced. Maybe you can draw and acquit yourself well if you get a draw against a team you expected to lose to. So um, This is a great debate. Yeah. Um, you can't acquit yourself well and win, Charlie. Let's deal with the obvious point first. No, in, unless it was we needed to win by four goals and we only won 1-0. So it's still a negative because, it, you know, we acquitted ourselves well. We, we did all we could, but ultimately we, we, we just couldn't score the volume of goals we needed or something. Yeah, but broadly, yeah, you can't get the result you wanted and acquit yourself well. Yeah, it, it's, vaguely, it's vaguely connected to falling short, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, I think so. Now, the caveat to this, as John Hare also suggests, Charlie, is that an individual player can acquit themselves well. I, I think a classic case of a player acquitting themselves well would be a young player being drafted in for their debut, maybe at fullback a position where they could have struggled. Should I tell you, a, a almost unanimous acquitted themselves well was uh, early this season, Spurs had to play Milan uh, at San Siro without all their centre midfielders, basically, and Skip and Saar were drafted in. Mm. And they were good. They were fine. And it was everyone, you almost una- unanimously described them as they acquitted themselves well in difficult yeah. circumstances. Yeah, in the cauldron of the San Siro. Definitely. It, it annoys me, Dave, that a lot of people think it's equipped themselves well. <laughs> No. Loads of people think it's equipped War, War good boots. Equipped. Yeah. Their shin pads are outstanding. It's annoying. Important to get this stuff right. This, this, this is really useful for us, this next one, and it really nails a very, very precise word of the football language down perfectly. Jack Pierce. He says, I've seen a few references to Michael Elise's assist for Ebi Eze's second goal against Bournemouth. Eze scored an unbelievable goal. It's a brilliant finish once he gets into it. Let me tell you, the pass from Elise is diagonal. He hits a, a, a ping, a crossfield um, pass, and it, oh! it, just, it just zings it. Eze comes inside, beats one, beats two, and just smashes it into the top corner. Fantastic goal. 2-0, Crystal Palace. Everichi Eze, wow, he is just scoring goals for fun right now under Roy Hodgson. It's his second goal that I've picked out. Cass, because first of all, you've got to give credit to Michael Elise from the Palace own half. Pings a beautiful diagonal ball. It was an absolute textbook ping. Charlie, I've never seen a pingery Mm. ping than that. Agreed. What makes it a ping, Dave? So I hadn't seen this goal right before you introduced this clip. Good. So I was expecting to see a ping. And what I saw was, I don't know if it was quite exactly what I thought. The distance and the angle were, were pingy. Mm. But the but the technique, I, I expected the foot to sort of stab at the ball and kind of not follow through in the way that it did. Each so you think he drove it too he much? He kind of did drive yeah. it a bit, yeah. I, I sympathise with that, but I don't know. The maybe trajectory was, is so pingy, I think. Mm. That's what won me over, Charlie. It's the flat trajectory. Yeah. That's what makes it pingy. Um, the suggestion that the connection might have made a ping sound. But maybe Dave's right. Maybe there was just too much purchase. Maybe it wasn't clipped enough. It was too much of a drive than a clip. And didn't make it pingy. But, uh, the cross-fieldness but helps as well. It has to be cross-field, right? You can't mm. ping a ball upfield. Could you ping no. an upfield ball? Mm. You can't ping it up to the centre-forward, can you? You just can't do it. There are slight golf connotations to ping, aren't yeah. there? And that, that's obviously straight up the middle. Could you ping a ball over the top, Dave, for a striker to run onto? Just pings one over the top. No, because it's got to be directly to the guy's feet, isn't it? 
Mm. You ping it. Because then because it implies sort of effortless accuracy, which I quite like. But yeah, I think the trajectory is, is the main thing here. What about that, that viral Hakim Ziyech crossfield pass for Ajax, Charlie? That was a ping, right? Oh, yeah, right? yeah. That was, yeah. was hugely mm. pingy. Um, but yeah, but it was good to see two independent sources verify its pingness. Mm. Clinton Morrison and Natalie Sawyer. Well judged. Next came from the Not The Top 20 pod, who were listening to the post-match interview after Bradford overcame Carlisle in the first leg of their playoff semi-final. Um, very dubious stuff from Sky Sports' David Craig. Jamie Scott, well done. Honours to you in the first leg. Jamie, first of all, how's the head? Dave, I won't, I won't accept any use of honours other than honours even. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely never had heard that before. Honours to you. And, it, and it, also it's a first leg, so sort of not even... Does it qualify as honours? You can have honours even after the first leg though, can't you? You could, suppose, although... Yeah. In the away goal, I know obviously that no longer is thing, but with away goals, I think you, that would slightly back in the day would slightly confuse things to say honours even. Yeah, not like the spoils because you can you can take the spoils, but you sh- you can also share the spoils. Mm. Whereas mm. honours, you can't really take all the honours, can you? Really. Next, an email from Julio Binyaku. Charlie, what does it mean to be living dangerously? Is it a style of play? Is it a certain position like a fullback being more prone to living dangerously? Can you live dangerously anywhere else on the pitch other than inside either box? Is it just a player or can a whole team be said to be living dangerously? What's living dangerously? I think of living dangerously as you've picked up a booking and you look like you might get another one. Really? I, I, Dave, I'm more inclined to think of it as a team who are allowing pressure onto them and they're living dangerously at the back. They're sort of taking a few liberties, maybe being a bit too casual, trying to play out from the back maybe. That's living dangerously, isn't it? Yeah, but in, well, inviting pressure onto them, not, not not in the sense of like a team that's adopting a low block, because that's living safely, isn't it? <laughs> living sensibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's allowing team inside that block, isn't it? Being too open, being too cavalier and, yeah, leaving gaps at the back. High defensive line that keep this, that's a couple of times has nearly been breached. I don't think it's about leaving yourself exposed as such, especially because it's usually because you're, you've got attacking intent at the other end. I don't think that's necessarily living dangerously. I think it's being careless at the back, Charlie, inside your own penalty area. Living dangerously. They're like, living there if they keep doing this. Yeah, but that has been muddy, doesn't it? Because so because it's so prevalent now. It's, yeah, you know, you're so used to seeing. I mean, goal kicks get taken backwards. You know, it's like it's mm-hmm. so common that you know, obviously, proper football men and and supporters or whatever will still sort of gasp at the at the the, the sight of a goalkeeper passing a square ball across the six yard, six yard box. Mm. But it's not unusual enough to be living dangerously. Yeah, I don't think it's living dangerously by default. I just think it's once you start getting caught out and you don't try something else to get out to relieve the pressure. Maybe yeah. that's where you're living dangerously. So you've had a warning and you're yeah. not you're not heeding the a warning. A wake-up call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Charlie's example about a player is definitely definitely works on an individual level as well. So you think 100%. you think living dangerously is a kind of tightrope related yeah, situation. I think exactly. so. I mean yeah. a very dangerous profession. Exactly. As we know. So yeah. Okay, fine. Okay. Thanks, Julio. Now, finally, Callum Ray writes in and says, Premier League years bingo, or we riot. Well, <laughs> we, we've heard you, Callum Ray. Let's do this. Of course, listener Mr. Wenger has got an epic playlist of every song ever featured on Premier League years. Listeners who heard the episode what, in, within the last month when we did this, we brought, it, we, brought, we brought it out of hibernation. Last time we got Babylon by David Gray, 
which we theorised could have been about the end of a long managerial career, possibly a relegation, something sad towards the end of the season. But we had a look. Some people sent us in the clips and it was actually over two separate clips, one of Michael Owen, sort of prime Liverpool Michael Owen scoring a couple of goals and also Luke Nillis's horror injury Ooh. for Aston Villa against Ipswich. There's a certain yearning about David Gray generally, so maybe maybe that kind of works, but... Across the two clips, it doesn't. But um, let's see what we come up with today. Dave, you can choose. I want a number between 1 and 1,385, please. I'm going to go 1,143. 1,143. We're going very... Oh, we're going very late. Very late. Let's see what happens. 1,143 is... Coming Home by the Rifles. Okay. Is this very literal, do we think? Yeah, it could be. Upbeats, this is good things happening. So what season do you think this was in, Charlie? Well, this came out... When did this come out? Oh, 2011 it came out. Okay, so this could be... Yeah, so if it's 20... So this came out in the summer of 2011... So this could be, if it's contemporaneously, be that 11-12 season, um, which obviously was when City won the league. I mean, it's upbeat. It's a sort of like, I think this is a team's going on a good run. It could even be the sort of that summery feel when they're introducing lots of new, lots of summer signings. You know, it's another busy summer. Very good. And Player X arrived on Merseyside to much fanfare. Well, was there anyone there that There were a host home? of new faces at Villa Park yeah, as the new era began under Alec McLeish. Was there, was there any player that actually came home? Did anyone return to a club in that, in that summer? Back to our shores. Ignore me, I'm just looking up whether Alex McLeish ever managed Aston Villa. <laughs> oh, he did, yeah, he definitely he did. did, yeah. 2011 12, <laughs> get in there! He very much did. Accidental echo share from me. <laughs> Staying in Birmingham as well, because I'm he just. I'm well like, happy with that, by the he way. Just left, he just left Birmingham. I mean, that was the summer of like Aguero joining, uh, Charlie Adam going to Liverpool. I'm looking up Villa's transfers for that season now, seeing I've absolutely nailed it already. Let's see what they've got. <laughs> In came Shay Given, Charles and Zogbier and Alan Hutton. <laughs> Does that deserve a jingly jangly guitar upbeat? No, it doesn't. <laughs> Not specifically then, but there'd have been a, there'd have been enough. So City made a statement of intent with their busy summer. Sergio yeah. Aguero, the pick of the bunch. Pick of the bunch. That could lead into him scoring two on his debut against Swansea. It's all there. I try and I try to out Premier League years, Charlie. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I can't do it. He's always, he's always in his head. He's there. Right. Um, no keys in grey corner this week for the sad reason because they got sidetracked with what feels like the 194th exclusive sit-down with Arsene Wenger. <laughs> Fucking hell. Every other week, they boast about getting Arsene Wenger into the studio to ask him exactly the same questions about him, Arsenal. And him him just looking a little bit baffled. Oh, really baffled. As well. I was like, why are you asking me this again? I'd rather he stood up on next to the big screen, actually, than, than sat down. Oh, God. Just it is, every clip is just him going... Look. Look. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Oh, God. Honestly, that's it. There's nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. Thanks to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Great adjudication paneling. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Dave Walker. Thank you. Thanks to everyone else. We'll see you on Thursday. The Athletic.